What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I just competed, and you know what that means. Joe Sanic is joining me and discussing uh, our meet recap, going into the prep leading up to the meet, the meet itself, and our future goals. This is typically a pretty popular episode because... It answers a lot of questions that Joe gets, a lot of questions that I get, and it gives you a little bit of an insight of a coach-client relationship, a very healthy coach-client relationship as well. Um, so I always love doing these. It's very beneficial for me because I get to know what I'm doing for my next block, and it's very beneficial for the listeners uh, to get some advice, to get some insights, and it's a very beneficial episode for a lot of people. And, you know, we talk about me for an hour, so I know Joe Sullivan is going to be really happy about this episode. This is pretty much an episode just for him and him only, and, of course, our two highlights listeners. But before we get into that, want to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com and get yourself some merch. I was rocking their new comp tee on the platform. I got a ton of compliments on it. I looked great, and hell, it might be one of the reasons why I totaled 800 kilos. I'm not ruling it out. And you can get yourself one of their comp shirts and all their other beautifully designed tees if you go on leftlarbros.com and use that promo code 2WL15. You will get 15% off your order, and make sure you are following them on Instagram. If you follow Two White Lights and you follow me, Fortino Power, and don't follow Leflar Bros, you know, you're not my friend anymore. I, I said it. You're not my friend because you should, and you're not going to regret it because they have some of the best merchandise out in powerlifting right now. So go on Leflar Bros, use promo code 2WL15, get 15% of your order, and get yourself some Two White Lights gear on there as well. Remember, you do not have Two White Lights gear sold anyway. Anywhere aside from leftlarbros.com. So use that promo code, that same promo code, 2WL15, and get yourself some Two White Lights merch as well. We got those two t-shirts and our dad hats. It's dad hat season for me. It's always dad hat season for me, but uh, spring, definitely dad hat weather. Get yourself that Two White Lights dad hat. Also, go to rivalist.net and get yourself some informed choice supplements. I had a conversation about this today. USAPL has a list of informed choice supplements that have been tested for banned substances. And Rivalus is an informed choice supplements that have that label. So use promo code ANGELO15 to get 15% off of your order for those informed choice supplements from pre-workout, branched-chain amino acids, protein, you name it, Rivalus has got it. Also, Go to lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. You guys know I love stoic gear. I only wear stoic gear in the gym. I only wear it on the platform. It's the only gear I wear, and I won't wear anything that I don't love and swear by. The sleeves, the wrist wraps, the singlets, I love. I always wear them. They're the best. Use promo code ANGELO10. Get 10% off your order from stoic gear, and that is going to be found on lift.net. Also, Make sure you guys are following Notorious Lift and sign up for their newsletter and get yourself some no-slip-drip slippers. They have the best designs, the best deadlift slippers out there, and you will not regret anything you get off Notorious Lift. And remember, you can't just get anything you want off NotoriousLift.net. You just, I mean, uh, NotoriousLift.com. You just can't do it. 
you got to be on top of those drops. Those drops are important because they, like I said, they got designs, they got the colors, and you don't want to miss on a color that fits your gym attire or your platform attire perfectly. I was rocking the new sumo, uh, the sumo soles on the platform recently, but I also switched it up. I wore the, uh, I know they call it something different. So I call it the Azuri blue, uh, mainly because you know, uh, Forza Azuri. But I wore that on the platform. Then I also switched it to my uh, sumo soles as well. So no slip drip is a real thing. If you look good, you lift good. That is guaranteed. I don't know if it's scientifically proven yet, but people should run studies because it should be scientifically proven. So remember, follow me on Instagram, sign up for the newsletter. Also, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, leave a review as well, and follow us on Spotify. We're available on those two platforms and, of course, the Two White Lights website. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Light Lights. And as promised, as what happens with most meets that I do, actually, since I got coaching under Joe TSA, is have a little meet recap covering the meet, covering what led up to the meet, and have my coach interview me so we can figure out what we're going to do next. I got with me Joe Stanek, who is increasing his league lead in appearances on Two White Lights. Very slowly over time. I'm coming for that top spot. I think you got it. I think you beat Noriega easy right now. Oh, hell yeah. Let's go. Second Sean. Yeah. And especially because Steve Denovi is the co-host. He doesn't count. He's already out of the running. So I think you're I think you're going to coast to a win here. Sick. I will I will take it. I, uh, I also uh, beat Sean in my comments in, uh, in Yu-Gi-Oh! Knowledge recently. So, <laughs> um, yeah, two wins for me. What are you doing, Sean? What are you doing? Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited uh, to break this down, man. Obviously, you had a fantastic performance this weekend. Um, I, I think it was a great meet overall. Uh, and we learned some things this prep that I think we're going to be able to carry forward into – you know, working on, on nationals. Um, I, as always, I think a great place to start is, you know, what we did uh, with this training block. So I, I have I have your training block in front of me, uh, and we can, we can kind of talk about this a little bit. So um, since the last time that you've been on the platform, we definitely have made some changes uh, just to the way that we structure your training overall. And, and I, I think it's definitely been uh, for the better, which is, is really, really pleasing to me because I – I'll be 100% honest, doing some of the stuff that we have done with your training recently is not something that I do with everyone. Um, so it was it was definitely one of those things where I'm like, you know, do I do I actually do this? Is it is it for sure going to benefit him? And, you know, the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. Um, and I think I think one of the biggest changes that we can talk about is, is we really have um, just kind of some, even though we have auto-regulation in your training, uh, we have been kind of capping that. There's, there's a limit each week to where uh, you can actually go as far as the loads go. And I, I don't know about you, but I feel like that really has not only helped with, uh, you know, 
a little bit more predictable recovery week to week, things like that. But I, I really feel like it's it's kind of helped you keep momentum through every single week of training. Even even if you do have some weeks where you're a little bit under recovered, it's it, it's kind of allowed you to, to push past that. Would you say that's that's pretty accurate? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that was that was big going into it. Um, the auto regulation. The auto-regulation this time around was much better as far as recovery goes because you gave me a range on what I should hit for my top singles, and that was really beneficial because we're always aiming for an RPE, but we're still, you know, doing a certain weight that is going to help my lift in next week. And that was that was incredibly beneficial for me, just hitting that range number, um, staying quote-unquote in the pocket, if you will. I know you hate that phrase, but... Um, I think right now it's like the only phrase to use when you're being conservative with your lifts and just building onto something and where I was never really, I was never really zapped at all. There was a few times in the, in the blocks where I was maybe a little under recovered, but it was seldom compared to what it was for Midwest primetime in the Arnold. And that was huge. Like currently sitting here right now doing this interview, I feel fantastic. I really want to get in the gym and, uh, and train right now because, and it's been the case this entire block really is I just... Every single time we do something, feeling recovered, ready to go, and ready to execute uh, lift. Yeah, I think so. Something that I, I talk about a lot with, uh, with a lot of my athletes is that there's this sort of this sort of sweet spot in performance where uh, you there's a point where you're doing more training volume, and uh, there's you know higher higher injury risk, higher uh, just chance of just you know becoming overtrained. Uh, and there's a point where if you if you dial the volume back enough, where you'll make the exact same amount of progress, but you'll be feeling pretty good very often. And I'm not saying that you um, are always going to feel fantastic all the time in the gym, particularly as you get close to a meet. But I, I do think that if you can find that sweet spot where you're able to continuously load weight on the barbell and you don't feel beat to shit all the time, I think that that's where you want to live for most people. And I think that I think that this particular strategy has been good for that. Uh, again, and I, I also think that it's it's been helpful for you because you you know you don't have to think as much um, about your loads on the day. It's just basically you know am I am I going am I going on the, on the bottom end of this because you know I'm a little bit under recovered today or do I feel fantastic and I'm going to the top end of this or is it just you know an, an average day and we're hit we're hitting the next load that sort of deal. Yeah, and I think that that's been really useful. Um, the other thing too is that we uh, we're actually using a shorter training cycle overall, which I, I think was was again like not something that I've done with a lot of my athletes either. Uh, I think that like oftentimes, and, and this this might just be you know a confirmation bias kind of thing, but um, I do think that traditional periodization sometimes uh, it stretches out those tests a little bit. Too, well, maybe not tests. That's probably the wrong word. It stretches out those like heavy periods a little bit too much, um, and I've I've actually seen a lot of uh, success with employing this model recently of, of just uh, having, especially with the the set progression of just having shorter overall uh, training cycles. You know, whereas before our full training cycle would be maybe anywhere between twelve and, and sixteen weeks or something like that. Now we're you know we're we're going. I think currently, if I'm Counting this correctly, our average cycle is about six weeks, depending on if we insert a deload or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some weeks that we that we do that, and, and, and some weeks that we don't, depending on, on how well you're, or how excuse me, how beat up you're feeling. So I think that that's been been interesting too. Um, I, I, unlike uh, with the, the load capping, I, I have done that with some athletes before, and I, I've 
I've been noticing uh, a trend of that just being a lot better for people so long as they, you know, they, they keep their, their head on their shoulders and they're not trying to PR every single week. Um, it, it does kind of potentiate, you know, that, that final week uh, a little bit better, at least in my opinion. And uh, again, I, I don't know what you, what you think about that compared to like what we were doing before where we had like multiple um, training blocks that kind of, you know, fed one into another versus this. But I, I just feel like this is, is better for you overall. Like I, I can't see us ever going back to that other kind of strategy. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Uh, for this, you know, this like not going through like a PR every block is good because it was – it's hard to judge if you're hitting, say, an RPE PR, uh, just based on how things look and how you actually feel, because it's very hard to even describe how you feel during it. But what I did say for, I mean, squat is a different thing, because uh, we can get to squat with the sw- change of low bar, because really we were just smashing PRs like at will for uh, as far as RPE PRs go on uh, squats. But for, for deadlifts, for example, it's like we have deadlifts at 716 or something, and when I see it and it moved very well, I'm like, okay, I know I've moved 716 a lot in my training cycles before, but this is a great way to finish off, say, a block because it moved so much better than 716 has moved in the past. And we don't need to push it. We don't need to push above it because, like what Candido said when he came on the episode, there's nothing wrong with saying 716 with the potential of hitting 727 for the day. It's really nice to know that. And not actually attempt 727 because it's useless at that point. The only thing you're going to do is zap, zap yourself and use that last pull for the following week to make actual progress. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to think about it, too. Like, so uh, something that a lot of people don't really talk about with, with, uh, with progress is the underlying mechanisms of progress are kind of the reversal of what most people think of. They... They think, okay, I, I'm putting more weight on the bar, therefore I'm going to make progress. And actually, if you if you look at the science behind it, it it's kind of the opposite. It's, it's I've made these adaptions, therefore I'm able to put more weight on the bar. And what's cool about that, that you that you just kind of said intuitively, is you, you just know, based on how you move that, that you made progress. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you don't really, you don't, you don't need to go any higher. You know, it, it just, it just allows you to kind of, no, okay. This is this is where I'm at. I, I know that I can, I know that I can move this load better on an average day, and that is a good sign of progress. And I think that that's that's very underrated for a lot of people. I know that, uh, especially you know, like the average lifter, you'll, you know, it's very tempting to always just put the maximum amount of weight on the barbell that you can do every single day, uh, at least for your your you know within the constraints of your training. And, and sometimes that's not always the move. Sometimes you, even though like yes, it does meet the RPE. Sometimes it beats you up a little bit more than you would like, and consequentially, like the following weeks don't have the same level of training momentum. So I, I think that that's been good for you overall as well. Yeah. Now that that was sort of the uh, the, the macro level stuff as far as what we did um, on, you know, just the the concepts overall. Get, getting into uh, two things. The first one was we tried a, a, a little bit more work in the bench press. We had you had you doing some really high frequency bench press. Um, but I actually, I'll, I'm actually going to cover that last. I think the first thing that I want to talk about is the switch to low bar, yeah. uh, because that was that was a really that was a really big uh, choice. We did, we made that choice after your last meet, uh, and it was I think I think one of the best choices we've made for coaching period. And I I don't know about you, but your your low bar squat is is a lot more. Well, I, I don't know. You're still a, you're still a great high bar squatter. Don't get me wrong. 
but I, I do think that your, your Lomore squad is very technically sound in such a short time, and we, we made a lot of progress under it. Uh, and I'm, I'm just excited to see where we can push it for, for nationals. But uh, what, what, what would you say has been your, your experience switching to low bar as, as somebody who has been such a, you know, a diehard high bar squatter for so long? Oh, it's been great. And I think with you coaching me, it's been great because when people were telling me about switching to low bar, they overcomplicated the fuck out of it in the past. And you did it. You just told me. It's your squat, which is good. Your high bar squat is technically efficient, and you do the right things on your high bar. All you're doing with low bar is putting the bar lower, and you're doing the same exact thing with your squat, and that helped me. I mean, it was seriously like once I got into low bar position, the only thing that was giving me issues was the low bar position because my body has never felt the bar that low on my back before. Like, that was it. It was just, it was just discomfort and me really not knowing how to deal with the discomfort initially. Um, it's almost the opposite, like with high bar to low bar. So high bar, when I set my traps into it and walk out, that's the easiest part of the lift. It always feels light. So even if it's like a 600 squat or a 550 pound squat, high bar, when I set up and walk out with it, it always feels light. But once I do the actual squat, it starts to get heavy, like midway through or when I get into the hole. Low bar is the opposite. When I take it off the rack... It feels heavy. The walkout's a little bit more difficult. I have to focus more on that part of the squat. But once I get into the hole, it feels light. It feels like I have control of the squat a little bit more. So that's really the only change that I went through with uh, high bar and low bar. And as, you know, I just got used to the discomfort of putting the bar lower on my back. It started to become a more efficient lift for me. Yeah, I think I think that that's a, a perfect way to... to go over I, I think a lot you're exactly right i think everybody complicates low bar way more than it should like you're still doing a squat no matter where the bar position is and i i don't understand where this idea that you like you need to suddenly change up the way that you break at the hips and the knees just because you've moved the bar what three four inches down your back i, I don't know where that that myth kind of came from but I, i'm glad that that you felt like that helped you um i think that that's something that that a lot of people don't really consider when they're teaching somebody to, to low bar. Um, beyond that, I think that, I mean, it, it, the, the walkout analogy makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that the main reason behind that is because, at least with a high bar squat, you're, when you're unracking it, your hips are usually a little bit more under you immediately. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When you, when you get in that position. So I, I do think that, like, you know, when you're bringing your hips forward in, in a low bar position, uh, to unrack it, it probably feels a little bit less natural there. So I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I do think for like for programming considerations in the, in the that we did right with your low bar as well. I, I do think that, and I mean you've you've kind of become like a meme for it. You're you're the SSB king right now. I, I do think that adding that has been good too. Oh yeah. Um, one of the things that that a lot of lifters talk about all the time when they first switch to low bar, and maybe maybe even you know after they've switched to low bar, is is they often get a lot of bicep tendonitis, a lot of elbow pain, a lot of all, all that stuff. And I, I do think that by including that from the get-go, you know, we've been able to kind of keep your upper extremities a little bit more healthy, you know, despite low barring uh, twice per week. Yeah, I think the SSB squad has been huge as far as keeping my upper body, like, healthy. Because when I first switched to low bar, that's what it was. Like, it felt like I had a, a bicep and forearm pump. And more, like, it felt like my upper body was getting more of a workout than my lower body on a squat. So I, I knew that's why SSB was programmed in, and 
Um, we really maximize your potential on SSB because I think that's where the benefit being a high bar squatter comes into is being able to use the SSB squat bar efficiently and actually like load some weight on there because it's really, it's actually when I started to get a groove with the SSB bar, um, it turned into just an easier version of high bar. Like I didn't have to position my arms under the bar. It was in the same, it, the, the, the weight is positioned in the same way and my shoulders are saved. So that's probably why like the, the comfort with the SSB bar has been so good for me is because of our, our experiences with high bar. And we're going to, I mean, we're going to continue to, to use it. I, I see no reason to change that up. I think that, that, that it's been, I think that our, our squat strategy in general has been good. And I mean, it, like until, I don't know, this is just my programming thing in general, but like just keep doing something until it stops working. Right. A, a lot of people change shit up because they're bored or they're, you know, they, they, they think that the grass is always greener. It's just like if you if you find a strategy that consistently works well for you across both box, I don't care how bored you are. You, you know what's what's worse than being bored? Stagnating. Mm-hmm. People people do not people do not like that. And don't get me wrong, it happens to everybody. But it's just like if you want to massively decrease the chance of that happening, don't change something that's working for yeah. sure. Um, now speaking of things that are working and aren't working. Bench press. Let's let's talk about that because I think that uh, obviously we tried something new. We were doing some high frequency bench pressing. Um, I I think that while we didn't hit a massive PR in the in the meet, um, I do think that we we learned a lot of things. Namely, that your upper body seems to have an infinite capacity to recover for some stupid reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but I, I do think that I still think it was a it, it was a, a valuable strategy for sure. Um, you you know in our, our conversations back and forth, you, you said you felt like the biggest benefit was that you just got to practice technique a little bit more often, which is I, I would say you know the biggest difference between you know the the last cycle and, and this one with the up frequency. I will say that I do think that your technique looked a lot more spot on. I just don't think that um, that necessarily translated as well as as I would have hoped. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about like what we're going to do going forward, uh, after we kind of go over the meet a little bit, but, um, I, I do think that this was definitely a valuable thing for us to do. Um, I, I do think that it's, or I don't think that it's a coincidence that a lot of the best bench pressers across weight classes typically have a, a rather high frequency bench press approach. Um, but I, I think we're on the right path. It's just a matter of, of adjusting the right thing as we go forward. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think technique right now i think there's always i mean with every lifter i think there's always things they could improve on i think we've we've done enough things that have helped our bench press technique but we've had this conversation i think i've been having this conversation more with say people in the gym over instagram just trying to get an understanding of my bench press routine i think right now we're just at a point where we just got to get bigger we got to get stronger i agree like that's that's really the only thing i tell people it's like i just i just at this point I don't think I need to like tinker a ton with my bench technique. It's just I have to get stronger. That's uh, that's really the only thing I could tell people. It's like we gotta we gotta put more muscle on our body, and we got to be able to muscle up some weight. Like just uh, just some old school, just some old school stuff. Uh, get put on more muscle, and actually make your muscles do the work. Not everything is technique driven. Yeah, I think I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make. Um, 
technique is important, but it's not this magic ace card that you can suddenly like, oh, if I change this, I'm suddenly going to, you know, put 10 kilos on my bench. For some people, that's the case if they just have really bad technique. But, you know, if you have, you know, slightly less than great technique and you suddenly have great technique, that's probably not going to put a, a massive amount on your, on your bench press. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I, I do think, I do think that that improvement in technique is extremely valuable. And I, I think we're, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, again, we'll talk about this when we go into like what we're going to do in the future. Um, I, I do think that, that uh, this this type of strategy is good. We just gotta get to tweak a little bit more. Uh, and then just with deadlifts, you know, we kind of kept a, a similar routine to, to what's worked previously. Um, we have our, our one day where we, you know, we'll, we'll typically ball out with uh, with a, a top set, you know, for the last couple of walks. That's been a single, uh, and it's been relatively submaximal almost all the way through every single time. Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of been the goal and. I don't know. I've just noticed that your deadlift in particular, which I think makes sense just because you deadlift so much per pound of body weight. Um, you know, you don't necessarily need to push it like ultra, ultra heavy in order to uh, see major gains, which is good. Um, and then we, I, I did want to address this. Uh, we, we do have your, your high rep deadlift day as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, we've, we've been doing that since the beginning. Um, I, I now I, I maintain that, uh, I don't think that high rep deadlifts are this magical tool for everyone. I, I do think that it is just like everything else. It's context driven. Um, but I think for you specifically, you know, we use that as uh, sort of a combination of things. Like we, it's technically your lighter deadlift day. You know, you're, you're doing, um, you're doing weight that is for, at least for all three sets isn't like ultra taxing. Yeah. Um, and it's meant to be two things. One, it's something where you're just doing more reps. You know, you're, you're literally practicing the lift more. And it's, it's also uh, just something that like as a lifter who has a little bit longer range of motion or excuse me, longer range of motion, not opposite of that, has, has a little bit shorter range of motion. You're just getting, you know, more time with the, uh, the barbell, you know, you're, 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 you literally have the bar in your hands longer because each set is longer, uh, which I think is something a lot of people don't really consider. Like if you are somebody who. Um, like I know, I know you pull, you know, frog, frog sumo, but your actual like lockout point is still very, very low. Right. Yeah. So if that's, if that's you, I, I think that's, that is a candidate for using high rep deadlifts in training because that, mm-hmm. that gives you more time with the barbell in your hands than someone who has a, a longer range of motion who, you know, if they did a lot of high rep deadlifts, they might get more beat up because they have that longer range of motion. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, if you look at a lot of examples, obviously Sean does that. Uh, I think another person who does that a lot is, uh, is Eric LaPointe, who has like the, you know, lowest range of motion I've ever seen. Um, uh, forgive me. I, I, I can't think of his last name. Um, uh, Tom. Uh, yeah. I don't think he posts his last name days. ever. <laughs> yeah. I call him rogue one just because yeah. that's his, like, I, I know I'm, it's so strange calling someone just Tom. Yeah, I don't. I, I actually. Name. I think he doesn't give his last name for a reason, but think, yeah. uh, think um, educational purposes. Yeah, I think. I think. I think you're right. But yeah, but he. You know, he does that, and I think that that just makes sense. I think. I. I think that's. I, it's not necessarily like I said. Like it's on a surface level, it's very easy to look at that and say, "Oh, these are great deadlifters. They are. They're doing high rep deadlifts. I should do high rep deadlifts too." But I think it's specifically because you guys have such efficient leverages that it works so well for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's why, that's why I think that's a great tool. I, I actually 
just before this, this podcast, I got a question on that um, in my Instagram DM. So I wanted to talk about that specifically. Yeah. Um, but with that said, yeah, that's, that's kind of what built our strategy for this go around. We, I mean, we also had some, some heavy uh, deadlift holds just to make sure that you could, you know, hold on to the barbell. We've been doing that for a little while as well. Nothing yeah. crazy new there. Yeah. I was, um, I was uh, really quick with those uh, deadlift holds. I was very, I was about to tell you to just to take those out of the program just because of how annoying they are to set up. And then seriously, while I was like DMing you it, I posted on Instagram, me doing it. And then David Wilson messaged me. He's like, man, these are a pain in the ass to set up, but my grip has been ungodly after, which I don't know why people use the word ungodly. Uh, it's not, that's not godly. It's, I, I would, I would probably say godly in, in that way, but people use that word as yeah. a double negative all the time. And it bothers me, but He's like, my grip has been fantastic after I started doing these. Like, I have to get amped up in order to lift these, but these block holds are great. I'm like, fuck, now I got to keep them in. I got confirmation that they're amazing. So, and it's coming from David Wilson, one of the best deadlifters. And, you know, I think he, I think he has, oh no, Ashton Rosco, I think, has a 93 record, but he's one of the best deadlifters uh, at, in 93 history. So, I'm like, all right, I'll keep it in. You t- yeah. And all it took is that cut from, and it, it does help. Like it does help the grip. It just seriously, it's it's like fifteen minutes of setting it up, ten seconds, and then fifteen minutes of taking it down. Yeah, and and I know I know that's annoying. I wish there was a better way to set it up, admittedly. Um, but you know, it's just like I I see the potential benefits there as being like a lot of people don't really consider grip work um and actually you know who else does that that you have to thank for this is, is bryce bryce lewis yeah uh, he he does these he does these often um and i just i don't know i see it as other than like holding your your deadlift single for a long time um i, I just see this as the best possible yeah. tool to make sure that you don't drop a barbell um and it's you know it's a good way it's a good way to do it uh it's you know the the, the idea of sort of you know overloading certain parts of a lift is not a new concept. I know like uh, some people apply it in different ways. Jennifer Thompson has her, her long holds that she does on bench press. Um, you know, people have been doing heavy squat walkouts for years. This is just sort of another flavor with that. And it's just to, you know, like it, it's to make sure that when, you know, if, and when we need to pull out the, pull out the chips on, on deadlift that, you know, whatever, whatever we got, as long as you get it up, we don't want you not being able to hold on to it. Yeah. You know, Actually, so, that's a it, big thing. An interesting I talked about with uh, Michael Baxter. He owns East Race Muscle, and it's like there there has to be some type of machine that they're gonna make that actually can help you with your grip. That's mimicking a block hold or a deadlift hold. Like I would like that. Yeah, that would be awesome. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, they're. I mean, I don't know how. Like that would be super specific to powerlifters and powerlifters only, because all those other machines are like fitness friendly to like bodybuilders and crossfitters and all that like the belt squats um the reverse hyper uh the uh the hip thrust machine like all those things are specific to bodybuilders but i think a machine where you just practice your grip would be fantastic that you're just mimicking mimicking a barbell and you can load weight on and then as you drop it it's just that's it and then you move on but because that's the shittiest thing about the cop the block holes is setting it up especially with kilo plates and pound plates suck too. Like pound plates, I get such bad, misbalanced, non-calibrated BS in the middle of it. So, yeah, yeah. I think we should keep them though. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. I, I see no. I see no reason to stop those. Like I mean, you know, if if we got if we got a pull for placing for you, man. Again, mm-hmm. like I, I just I want to be sure that you can put that on the barbell and hold it. Yeah. Uh, because 
you know, they're all eyes are going to be on, on you for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, but let's, let's, so let's talk about the competition. And again, like I think this specific section, I, I don't know that we necessarily have a whole lot to go over because all in all, it was a really good day. We went nine for nine. We totaled 800 kg which is, is awesome. You've joined a very elite club of people mm-hmm. uh, in, in the 83s, uh, which is cool. You know, that's another one of our sort of long, long-term, long-standing goals that, we, that we've crossed off the list now, uh, which is, is really exciting. But let's, you know, let's break down lift by lift. So, um, you know, obviously I, uh, I wasn't there this go-around, so I, I don't have the full perspective. But, you know, how were, how were squats feeling? Tell me about how, like, warm-ups went and, and just take me through each attempt. Yeah, squats went really well. Uh, they felt great in the warm-up room, and I was, you know, thinking, I think 285 is definitely there. We obviously have to see how the second attempt with 606 goes. Um, the only issue I was having, which is completely my fault, um, is my walkout. Um, I think I set just through equipment check-ins the bar a little, or the uh, the rack height a little bit too high. Um, I think now my strategy going forward in a meet is just like. Whatever rack height I do in the equipment checks and the rack height checks, I'm just going to go one lower just to be safe because when you're doing it with an empty bar, I think you could just, you know, like you could put the bar lower on your back or higher on your back and feel comfortable and, you know, you don't have to worry about the swinging weights and, you know, clipping the uprights. So the first two attempts um, were still really good lifts. They felt very light, but I really, I got stuck on the right upright twice. Um, coming out of the ER rack. So shout out to my boy Dominic. Uh, I just told him like, hey, move that rack, <laughs> move the move the rack height down one uh, to 13 instead of 14. And then the third attempt, I the walkout was so much easier with 285. I was like, yeah, this is definitely falling. Um, and the only reason why 606 was kind of heavy was because of my messed up walkout. So I'm like, if I nail this walkout, uh, 285 is gonna fall easy. Um, I thought I got a little bit too low. I know a lot of people don't think that's a thing in powerlifting, but uh, I felt like I got low and then I just got a little bit extra extra depth points uh, just to be sure. And I think that made it feel a little bit heavier than it was. Um, and I kind of felt it as I was squatting. Like, oh, you probably got a little bit too much depth there. If you would have cut that high just a bit, you would have probably got a white light and not expended so much energy. But it moved easy. I felt great. Um, I thought if we're, if we're being conservative and honest here um, – you know, two and a half to five kilo jump, say if like I got a fourth attempt or something, or say if that was my second attempt, I think that's what we would have went with was uh, 287 to 290. Uh, if we're going to be aggressive, 292 to 295. Yeah, I think I think looking at this, you know, I've, I've got it in front of me right now. I, I think that I think 290 would have been there and, and it would have been like, you know, like we, we would say, okay, we had just like a, a little bit left. Um, you know, there was the 285, there was no grinding. In the 285 whatsoever it was you know and not not that that's what we're necessarily looking for on a third um but there there was like you know there was no grinding whatsoever i you know if you if you did this i, I would probably i would definitely feel comfortable putting five kilos on the bar and, and saying like yeah you're, you're definitely going to get it um from my perspective uh, and and again i you know i didn't see the first couple squats because my stupid stupid ass wasn't able to find the live stream because i don't know how google works apparently um the uh which call it the biggest thing that i think besides just the, the walkout um the biggest thing that i noticed about the third squat it was that depth thing it's, it's funny you brought that up i kind of have it in my notes in front of me 
if anything, the biggest, the, the spot that you always want to maybe, you know, sink just a little bit lower is always going to be that opener. In fact, your old coach, Lane Norton, taught me this lesson. Yeah. Um, you know, if you sink it a little bit lower, you know, leave no doubt on that first opener, the judges aren't going to be looking as hard. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I've, so I've, I've always the, yeah. came into competition with that in mind. I've heard that many times, not from Lane Norton, but from many people. Surprised he didn't share that with me when he was coaching me. Yeah, I know, right? Um, the <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I think it was a really solid uh, squatting day, man. And, and it would be obviously, you know, I don't want to put like we're, we're not necessarily chasing numbers. We're we're chasing what uh, the total at the end of the day. But it would be really sick to slap three hundred kilos on the bar uh, at, at nationals. Yeah. That would be that would be very very cool. It's going to depend on how things go in the gym, of course, uh, and how you're feeling on the day. But it would be very, very cool to cross that milestone. That is still a very elite level squat for an 83 kilo lifter. Uh, not too long ago, that was the world record. So I, I think it, if if we have like a perfect, you know, perfect couple of training blocks leading up to, to national, I, I would not put that out of your wheelhouse. Yeah. And I also I also think like with people, I guess on Instagram and people who follow me like. They're still wondering why I haven't, like, went super high on squats. And I guess, you know, just explaining what this meet was uh, a little bit later, um, I could, you know, shed some light on that. But also just, like, trying to point out to people that my meat max and the heaviest I've had on my back prior to this meet was 606. So something like 644 is going to really be a major shock on my body no matter what even if it's like there and all my squats look smooth it's like I have never put that on my back before or even relatively close to it so it's like you still got to be relatively conservative going into meets when when we're hitting we were hitting PRs on squat you know four or five weeks out from the meets it's like that is my first time handling 611 or 617 on my back was during training um so, yeah, just going, you know, 20 pounds heavier than that's like it, you know, my my body doesn't know what it feels like to put that on my back and balance it for that long. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think a lot of a lot of people and again, we'll just right at the end we'll we'll probably talk a little bit about just the nature of this meet in general, but like a lot of people like look at meets as like the end all be all, right? Like they they this is this is meet day and I, I this is when I go for the PRs. But in reality, if you are a true power lifter, you are not necessarily putting the most weight that you can do on the barbell for all of your thirds, because at the end of the day, you care more about the total, right? So like that, that doesn't like it, it, for example, like if we put, you know, if we put 290 on the barbell for your third and like you, yeah, you, you, you probably would have got it. Like I, I'd be, I'd give you like nine, nine 9.5 out of 10 odds that you got it, but you know, maybe, maybe it was a little bit more of a grind than you expected because you've never had it on your back. And then, you know, dead, that taxes you for deadlifts. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta keep those things in mind. You, you always have to, to think about the other lifts. Um, it's, you know, the, the, it's a, it's a three lift meet. It's not a one lift meet. Yes. Um, now moving on to, moving on to bench press. Um, obviously this is the only lift that we did not hit a PR in. Um, mm. Although I would I would assert that 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 170 was was a, a little bit smoother than last time. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Even with the ER so, to uh, rogue uh, combo rack, because that's that's the only piece. That's the only time I say equipment helps is on bench press with the rogue combo rack and ER rack. Um, it felt smoother on the ER rack, which is usually not the case for me. Yeah, that rogue combo yeah. rack is a cheat code. It really is, and if if people do not 
understand or think that, that I mean, uh, well, yeah. now you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do. So I, again, we you know sort of alluded to this a little bit. Obviously, you know, you tied you, you tied your best lift, uh, and it again, it was a little bit smoother. And yes, you the, the fact that we kind of went from using a fat pad to an ER rack, which is, is famously the uh, famously the rack that is like the least supportive for bench press. So uh, I think that I think that it went well, um, all, all things considered. I do think uh, again we'll talk about it with you know steps going forward. I, I do think that we need to make some changes to facilitate maximum bench press progress. But all yeah. in all, uh, for the nature of this meet, I'm, I'm pleased with. It. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I do think 172 was there for the day, but like. Like we said uh, beginning, and we're probably going to get to towards more of the end, this in-depth, the goal was to total 800 kilos and make it as easy as possible for me. So the easiest way possible was hitting a 170 and not necessarily a 172 because, like, if we go back to how certain you are going to hit it, I was, like, 99% sure I was going to hit 170 that day, and I would have been, like, 90% sure I would have hit 172 that day just because and, – and same thing with the variability on bench press. Like – that's another thing we've talked about. It, I think on just our meet caps before, and just I know you and I have talked about it uh, through coach client talks. Is just bench press. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to get a long pause. You don't know if you're going to get a long start command. You don't know it's going to. Ha- you don't even know if the liftoff is going to be good. Like Noriega decided at the Texas Strength Classic that he was going to take a self liftoff because he wasn't sure with the Texas. Uh, the Texas Strength Systems combo, the TSS combo rack, that he was confident getting a handoff. Like, bench press is a super, you know, volatile lift in competition because there's so many sick, there's so many commands, there's so many other things that come into play. So, just, I, I'm usually the most conservative with bench press, but it seems to be the, the lift we kind of nail as far as, like, RPE goes and as far as, like, getting a true one rep max is bench press because I think... I think since we've been working together, aside from that missed deadlift, like we've usually kept a little bit in the tank on squat and deadlift, and bench press yeah. is seemingly a perfect one rep max one rep max call. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you there, man. And I, again, I, I, we have talked about this a lot, but you know, just for sake of people learning a thing or two, I, I mean, after yeah. all, I do think that's one of the values in us breaking this down. Bench press is the lift that has the most outside influence on me too. And I don't think that, like, I think a lot of people, when they uh, they taper their bench, um, they expect there to be this, like, massive change in strength. And then when, when there isn't, they get disappointed. And I, I think that's what they fail to consider. You know, somebody else is, if you get a handoff from your training partner in the gym that knows how you like your handoffs, you know, you, you can explain it all you want to the, the spotter that's spotting you. But at the end of the day, it's just... Uh, there's there's going to be three judges that are controlling the pace at which you get to lower the barbell to your chest as well as press it back. You know, yeah. and, and that's going to vary from judge to judge. As much as I you know dislike that, there are some judges that like they check both side judges, like they physically turn and look at each side judge before they put their hand out and give you the start command. You know, uh, there's some judges that for some reason misinterpret the rule and, and you know pause you longer than uh, it is, which is. You know, as much as we tout uh, USA Powerlifting for, for being consistent with the standards, I, I still think that there are a few bad apples that that, yeah. that ends up being the case. Um, so, you know, it's, it's always best, I think, to plan to be relatively conservative in the bench press because the difference between a, between a lot of, like, 
wins and losses in powerlifting can be, you know, making your third bench press and having that extra, you know, five kilos on top of your total. Uh, and again, we, you know, we totaling 800 kg, I, I said this to you, I, I said it, we're going to have a lot easier time totaling 800 kg if we go in and we tie your PR and we make it versus, you know, putting a two and a half kilo PR when it really, at the end of the day, really doesn't matter, Yeah. Uh, you know, for the sake of your total. Uh, it, it, you know, putting that two and a, two and a half keys on and potentially risking it mm-hmm. and, and missing it. You know, um, so that's that's the thing. There is is that I just I wanted to make sure you had the best chance of hitting that that total PR, and that's that's what really counted at the end of the day. Now, I, I do think again we'll go over it uh, after this, but I think we have got to make a few changes going forward, and I'm particularly excited to get into that. But uh, last last of all, let's you know let's talk about let's talk about everybody's favorite lift your uh, your deadlift man. Um, so I think I'll start this off. Like all, all three of your lifts, all three of your lifts on the day looks awesome. And I think it's so funny. Like I, I have, you have your, your deadlift in front of me. You can hear some guy in the, in the audience yell, empty the tank. Yeah. I think like, it was, that was like Dominic. Me. Dominic was great all day. Great liftoffs, great everything. Uh, yeah, the whole, the whole judging spotters and loaders crew and that whole crew is fantastic that day. So, yeah. Um, and I, I, I just think it's so funny because that's like literally the opposite of what that lift was. <laughs> it, it, it was it, like, it, like it was hard, but it wasn't like yeah. empty the tank, you know? Um, so I, yeah, I was, I was really pleased with that. This is in stark contrast to where we were, uh, at the end of, of the last meet, you know, where we just barely missed 350. Um, and, and I, I, I don't know about you, but I would have been pretty comfortable putting 350 up for you based on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt... I felt really good that day on deadlifts. I, I think my second attempt, I was like, yeah, it looks like 345 is falling. Um, you know, people in the warm-up room were like, it's like, it would be nice to see that 350 today. I'm like, no, not today. Like, we're trying to get that 800 kilo total. But, yeah, it felt good. And really, deadlift throughout the block and in, this, in, in the meet was the most simple thing. Um, really, it was that one simple technique cue we did three weeks ago that I think has really helped my deadlift the most. Um, it wasn't necessarily doing anything different with the block. It was more as far as like singles go, far as uh, rep schemes go. It was more so that little cue of wedging my hips in and not, uh, you know, uh, shooting the, and kicking the bar out in front of me, which is a habit of mine that I've done in the past. Even working with you, we fixed that and my deadlifts have felt that much better. Prioritizing smoothness and tension over speed uh, was the thing I kept on repeating myself in the warm-up room and the platform. Um, I think you could hear me actually quite clearly if you were on the platform say, uh, tension, not speed. I think yep. I kept on repeating yep. that to myself. I, I think that's, like, as much as the, the, like, the hip pump technique uh, can be helpful for lifters, I think that's where they get it wrong, is they, they just, they, they're literally just trying to add as much momentum to their deadlift as possible and and honestly, if you really know anything about the way deadlift mechanics work, that's really not what a hip pump is for. Like, it's yes, it's it's part of it, but the real reason that you use a hip pump is to properly load the posterior chain to actually give yourself uh, an, an eccentric portion to the lift that you're otherwise just doing all concentric lifting. Um, so I, I think that's I think that that's something that a lot of people misunderstand about the way that you should be should be using that particular thing for your deadlift and, and you're right yeah as soon as it, it's funny we literally just got done saying technique doesn't always add a, a ton to your lift but i i mean in this case it did it's yeah and i think for you like i don't think there's any magic strategy no well, i mean there, there's going to be some 
ways that work better than others. But I, I don't necessarily think that like deadlift, like the strategy for your deadlift is, is going to be something that's massively changed from time to time. You're, I mean, you're literally at the pinnacle at the moment of, of deadlifting. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, I think that sometimes when you're in that position, the, the little things can, can make a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, and clearly they, clearly they do. Um, I, I am honestly, after one, like just rewatching this 345 over and over again, I, I, I don't know, man. Like it's, I, I'm excited for like, obviously whatever, like we, we don't, at the end of the day, we're, we're just putting what we need on the bar to, to get you as placing as high as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, within, within reason, of course, but like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like if, as long as we keep this, this up and as long as we keep like locking that, that sort of, you know, it, it, it we only had three weeks with that technique cube, right? And, yeah. and this was, all, this was the result. It, I feel like as we dial that in more and more, it's just only going to get better. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm excited to see what, what we put on the bar at nationals for your third. Um, again, I, I, I really, um, I, I, I do just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little cocky here and say the chips belong to us. Um, oh, they definitely I don't do. care what anyone says. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think there's even a discussion at this point who who uh, who gets it. Ch- I mean, I, we would have taken the chips all if it, if there was a national refs at this meet. We would have actually completely screwed up that thing for Russ and Sean. And St- I know Steve is uh, quite relieved that uh, you know we didn't have a 3:45 national record because that kind of ruins the chip opportunity with that. So. Yeah, I. That, that's yeah, good for us though, right? We can we can now use we can now we can use the chip on like a, a second attempt. Yeah, yeah, you know? and uh, and if Russ and Sean want to reach out to me and uh, you know sweeten the pot, if uh, to not do that in order to fuck up their their strategy for the third attempts, um, I'm all yours. <laughs> I'm I'm all yours, yeah, boys. I you know what I might not be I might not be as good as you guys. I know that for a fact. Uh, I know the totals are going to be high, but. I still, I, I still hold a little bit of power here, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna leverage that power as long as I can, in the true That's Italian form. I'm going to get you both on a FaceTime call. I'm going to smoke a cigar, and you're going to have to sell me on why I shouldn't try to have a, or why I shouldn't hit my second uh, deadlift. You know, it's it's funny though, man. Like we we talked about this, you know, we we've talked about this a couple of times, but I think that. You know, and, and shout out to Matt Gary for this. Like, one of the things that a lot of people, and again, there's only a handful of people that this will ever matter for, but, you know, just in case a record ever matters for placing, that chip is a powerful tool, you know? And if you don't have access to it, just because, you you know, you decide you want to increase a record by the maximum amount possible at a, you know, a ranking eight competition, then, you, you know, like, it's... It, it, if like, let's say there were national refs here and I did have you put, you know, a massive amount of weight on the bar, that might, that might screw us for nationals because yeah. then we can't use that chip, you know, like, yeah, we, we more than likely are going to be pulling last, but you know, like, let's say we have an off day and we, we just can't, you know, we can't load up the, the chip that we need, you know, that, that might mean that might screw you out of placing. And at yeah. the end of the day, like nationals is, nationals as cool as it is to go and, you know, and break records and, and do nationals, the end of the day for someone like you nationals is about the placing yeah. it's about getting the chance to compare yourself to the best people in the world and i mean you know having having a chip is, is going to make that that much better plus i don't know i'm a little selfish i love playing those games i, I love doing the math it's it's so much fun to be like okay, oh. exactly yeah, this when, many I, kilos. when i told this to the people in the warm-up room and people at surge like 
Um, they, they aren't aware of it, and I think it's a cool aspect of powerlifting that I wasn't aware of until you told me. And now it's, it, is, it, is like a, it's, it's, it is a cool thing to be like, hey, you know, that's why those lifts from not the number one and two guys are important because if I decide to hit my second attempt, this is what happens for the rest of the competition. Or if, say if I push the record before that to 345, then that's going to, that's going to alter Noriega and Russ's game plan and that is for the number one spot like it's a cool element of powerlifting that um is comparable to other sports the competition aspect the strategy aspect um and the excitement aspect too um so yeah explaining that to people in the warm-up room and uh, like at surge and other gyms is, is kind of fun because they're like oh that's actually a really cool feature i didn't know that was unique to usapl uh uh competitions yeah, it's very cool. And that, that happens on the world level, too. Like, yeah. there are, you know, some lifters, they get invited to, like, exhibition meets, and they have the chance to increase the record. And then if they if they happen to be, you know, world-level competitive as well, that's that's something that they, they have to consider. It's it's kind of cool. It's it's a very, like, macro-level way uh, to look at powerlifting that you don't all experience of, which is, is really cool. But, uh, yeah, uh, Steve Denopi, if you're listening, if you'd like to... Uh, if you'd like to make some, some deals behind the scenes, coach, coach, just let me know. That is for legal reasons, a total joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't want, because I know the USAPL actually does listen to this podcast. So I don't want to get a, a betting scandal or a point shaving scandal uh, <laughs> on, yeah, on two white right. lights. Yeah. 100,000% a joke never would do anything like that. Um, Okay, so just uh, just as a, a quick wrap up to this this meet, so what a lot of people, I, I, the most common question I got, I got when I reposted your stuff on my story was why was everything super easy, mm-hmm. you know? And at the end of the day, this meet was not meant to be something super hard. Yep. I'm like you, I I know you're on, uh, I know you, you're um, not working today because uh, spring break, but like I, I assume after we get off of this call, you're probably going to go train. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the idea. We we wanted to hit the ground running for for nationals, but we we wanted to get something in where you were on the platform, um, where you know we we just got a little bit of, of platform experience in. I, I say this all the time: competing is a skill. It is not the same thing as doing lifts in the gym. Uh, you know, you can have all of the all the equipment, all the you can wear your singlet, whatever, but if you are not being judged by three of three of your peers in the in the powerlifting sphere. Um, it, it's just not the same thing. And you're also, you know, you're not timing your warmups. You're not, you know, weighing in. Like it is a, it is a different monster and is important to practice it. Uh, and I, I do think that, you know, a, a lot of lifters could benefit from just going in and doing these, these tune up meets, you know, having, oh, yeah. having ones where you don't go balls to the wall as a means to end your training cycle. Like people, like people do mock meets all the time. It's just like, if you have the ability to compete and it isn't super out of the way, why not just, you know, why not just go and compete? Yeah, you know, exactly. It's a no-stakes no meet. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I was also just telling people that when we signed up for this meet, typically our season, even though, I mean, as we worked with each other, Corona hit. So, like, our season hasn't been really to its truest form yet. But it's the goal for us when I started talking to you was the Arnold, which was our first prep together, which is in March. Something in the summer yep. to kind of tune me up for uh, Raw Nationals, Raw Nationals, and then, you know, possibly the Arnold again. So this yep. was in replacement of the Arnold meet that didn't happen. And I guess uh, people were asking, why would you take this meet in particular? Um, 
And the answer is simple. We didn't when we signed up. We didn't know when nationals was going to be. Yep. Like we like I pref- preferably I would like to be on the same weekend as the Arnold. So the first week of March would have been fantastic. That would have give us um, you know a solid downtime in between that meet and a next prep that would start up. I mean, right now I think we're a little bit behind schedule because usually we start up prep like 13 weeks out. Uh, we're currently sitting at 11 weeks out from nationals, and that's because we didn't know when nationals was going to be. So. I guess with the timing of it, it's different. And, you know, this meet in particular was, it's two and a half hours away from me, uh, a local meet. And I, again, I, I don't like mock meets. I really don't like mock meets. I think you should get into a competition, local one, travel 45 to two hours and compete at one because mock meets don't go well. You have to make sure you have three of your friends there who are capable spotters. You have to make sure you're getting accurate calls. You have to make sure, like, it's just, why not, might as well do it at a meet and actually have fun while doing it. Like, that was another, like, a thing with this meet, and I, I think, you know, I, I might I might get a little bit on my insight here, but it was very good for me doing this meet uh, because I think with our past meets that we've done and, you know, the mindset going into my training, it's been within a super competitive realm. It's been we have to total this, we have to pull this, we have to do this in order to stay on par with the top guys. Doing this local meet, one, I haven't done a local meet in forever. It's been almost, uh, it's been around two and a half years since I've done a local meet. And if you if you are in a bit of a funk and if you feel like a little bit you're burned out, do a local meet and you're going to fall in love with powerlifting for the reason why you started loving powerlifting in the first place. It was great going into the warm-up room meeting people I've never talked to before and just having fun and just, I forgot how fun local meets were. I forgot how communal everyone was. I forgot how great it was meeting new people, uh, making new friends, uh, talk to a lot of people who I didn't talk to before. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this is why I got into powerlifting. And especially at that, uh, facility with Gina, uh, with Gina running the meets with all the people down in Kalamazoo, Michigan, I had a blast, and it was such a refreshing thing for me to do uh, because Nationals, while it's fun, while it's lighthearted, it's highly competitive. Same thing with the Arnold. It's highly competitive, and you can kind of lose that that fun aspect of powerlifting. Very L.S. McLean-like. Like, hey, guys, remember, this is supposed to be fun, and this meet was fun. Like, everyone there was so awesome, so supportive. Like, you know, uh, got to do my old strategy of talking to the guy who I'm following or he's following me throughout the meet uh that was brandon dunbar for the day like just constantly warming up with him talking during the when we're in the dugout when we're in the lineup waiting for us to get called um was awesome like that's that was really really beneficial for me i i'm I'm with you man and i i think i think a lot of lifters uh they they forget that powerlifting is supposed to be fun uh, I think that's a, a really good point, and uh, shout out to LS for that. The, the man, the man is always having fun in the uh, in the warm up room and the platform, etc. Um, I, I do think, like, if if anything, this this only, you know, this this just it, like it was it was all good stuff, right? We put you in a position where we we got some platform experience. You had a fantastic day. You met some new people, which is awesome. That's always good, especially you know in this last year where like. People haven't really gotten the chance to, to interact as much. Uh, it's it's all good stuff. So I, I think all in all, this was a fantastic competition, and I'm excited to hit the ground running for nationals. Yeah. Now, just to wrap this up, uh, as as to what we are going to be doing 
going forward. We've, you are correct in saying that we have uh, 11 weeks. Very specifically, we have 11 weeks and three days because we're competing on a Thursday. Yeah. Which is not fun. I hate, I hate having to adjust that. Uh, that. That's just always the most annoying thing. But um, the biggest thing that we're going to look to do this first, this first cycle, since we've been doing about six weeks at a time, um, we're, we're probably going to run something very similar. We're, we're, we're um, at least in terms of like the overall structure. Um, the main thing that we are actively trying to change per lift is your bench press. That's the, that's the thing. You know, you we talked about this. You are the lifter with the lowest bench press that has hit an 800 kilo total amongst the 83s. Yeah. Um, so I do feel like that is going to be our, our big difference maker. And you have, admittedly, like you have a lot a lot of the people that you are um, that you that you've named that you're actively fighting for for third place at the moment. As far as like you know the the, the rankings go, who's who? A lot of them are lifters with strong bench presses. Yeah. You know. So in in order to make up that now obviously you make up that deficit with your deadlift being so much higher than everybody else's, but you know it the the real key the the thing that that really makes a lot of people so is that is that difference in the bench press because that is most typically the lift that most power lifters are not great at um so i i do think that we have to go kind of hard on that now my plan um and we haven't even talked about this like off off uh off podcast my plan for you is to run you know a, a sort of similar strategy as far as you know the amount of times per week that we're we're benching um but we are doing uh we're going to be doing more top sets my justification behind that is the bench press in particular is a lift that seems to benefit from more heavy work and like at least with your bench press you really seem to be able to recover uh well so i, I want to try to push the balance of that a little bit more um i'm going to be doing more top sets um i also uh have divided your sort of main comp work volume up a little bit um so we're not necessarily introducing more actual um like bench press volume it's just we're we're taking some of that and we're moving it over to uh, a variation just as something that we can kind of push a little bit harder for the sake of hypertrophy because again we talked about this i don't think that your technique is the issue i think that we need a little bit more exposure to heavy work and i think we need most importantly i think we just need more muscle mass and i do think a great way to put on muscle mass is to take a lift that we is a little bit more novel to us and and just be able to push that a little bit harder week to week you know be able to load more weight on the bar because let's face it you can only load so much each week on competition style bench press that's that's going to get hard but you know like if I have you doing uh, the internet's favorite uh, variation, uh, close grip bench press. Yeah. Remember that? That yeah, was fun. That was fun. Where everybody's like, that's not close grip. Yeah. Um, just, you know, do, doing like a few more of those sets, you know, close grip bench, uh, because that's a little bit more novel because the range of motion is longer, a lot of different reasons. You might get a little bit more muscular benefit from that. Uh, and we can also take that a little bit heavier in terms of the RPE without it costing too much as far as recovery goes because it's a self-limiting exercise. Then the other thing that we're doing is we are going ham on the accessory work. I want to give a shout out to uh, all of my all of my buddies, including Steve, uh, in our coaching mastermind. We we sit down once per month and we just talk about concepts in uh, in powerlifting amongst us coaches. Um, and Matt Cronin and I have been kind of talking shop on some uh, some upper body stuff for for bench press, and he's he's mentioned to me lately uh, just a lot of the stuff that like he for stubborn lifters bench presses. Um, that he's just like, I mean, he, we haven't really gotten into super specific stuff, but, uh, you know, he's just been like, I've been doing a lot of stuff that 
I normally would think would be too much. And that's really been the thing that's been moved a lot of people's stubborn bench presses. So that's kind of the idea of what I've got going on for you. We're going to be employing some myo reps um, for your for your bench. Um, for those that don't know is kind of like a it's sort of like a rest pause style training there's a theory that it helps build muscle more efficiently because it's designed to help recruit more of the cells that turn into uh, motor neurons that's a little too sciencey um, i've got you doing some some drop sets and i have you doing some rest pause work uh, on on the uh, main lifts that or the main uh, muscle groups that are important for increasing your bench press chest shoulders triceps um, and then as well as well as you know also pushing uh, a ton of upper back work as well because let's face it if your back is bigger uh, it's just, you know, that's going to decrease the range of motion on your bench press, right? You know, the bigger, bigger your body is, the, the less wrong. Um, so that's, that's definitely valuable. And of course, you know, you want to balance that out. You don't want to, you don't want to like have a, a massive front side of your body and then the back side of your body becomes weak compared to it, you know? Yeah. So that's, that, that's the strategy that we're going for, uh, that I think is going to be the most useful for you. Uh, and then from there, it's just going to be a matter of uh, timing. The only other difference, uh, and I'll, I'll let you talk in a second, the only other difference that I have planned is when we get into the second cycle, the one right before nationals, I'm probably going to reorder uh, the weekly microcycle just a little bit just to sort of reflect the fact that we're competing on a Thursday. So yeah. it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be the same days, but they'll, it'll, they'll be in a slightly different order uh, just based on the fact that we're competing on Thursday. That way we can actually taper the same way uh, that we did for this one, because it's a pretty successful taper. Um, you know, with adjustments as necessary, of course, but t- taper in a similar way without having to really mess with the days too much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was I was actually going to ask that due to that's a, that's going to be our first time you and I have competed on a Thursday um, uh, together. I've competed on Thursday for Raw Nationals uh, for our first for my first Raw Nationals, and yeah, that's kind of the switch I had to make. Was uh, day one was um, Sunday as opposed or day, day one was Saturday as opposed to a, a normal Monday. So, all right, good. We got that cleared up. And, yeah, I agree with everything. I was expecting something with my upper body. Um, really, actually, you know, going into the weigh-ins, which I think is something that I, I, I got to take uh, small victories with my weight. Um, we still had to eat going into weigh-ins. Nothing has changed there. But weighed 82.2 kilos. That is the heaviest I've ever been. And we've only gained weight since we started working together. So, uh, small victories there. I know you want me to be a little bit heavier. But it was 81.5 for the Arnold, 81.6 for Midwest Primetime, and we actually got 82.2 in for uh, this meet. Yeah, so, you know, we, we, we built some muscle, man. I, I, I do actively, um, you know, this isn't a programming concept, but, yeah, I was going to talk about this next, next. I do actively want you to, um, to eat a little bit more. Uh, ideally, you know, I, I'd like you to be, like, not necessarily at weigh-in, but I, I would like you to be, um, you know, a little bit heavier to the point that we actually need to enforce some kind of something to, to manipulate your weight. Yeah. Uh, other than, you know, maybe, maybe other than maybe eating a little bit less the day before, because that's really all we've ever had to do, you know, but I mean, it, honestly, like, even if you're, you know, 84 kilos outside of the, the, uh, outside of the weigh-ins, like that's, that'll mean that we've added a, a decent amount of mass to your body over the course of these, these number of weeks. And then that's still a really easy cut. I don't even think you need the water load for that. That would just be a matter of like the week of manipulating your food and, and not changing anything else. So, and I mean, that's all, it's all benefit at this point, as long as we're, as long as we add, like, as long as you don't go the opposite way and add like three kilos of body weight, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, that's what I was thinking. Like 84, 
uh, would be a good way to really train at. That'll be the heaviest I've ever been. So, yeah, just trying to make those, yeah, trying to make some weight gain PRs, healthy weight gain PRs. Um, and I think with, even with the, the I mean, with, um, uh, benching six times a week and what we did for upper body in this block, personally, and, uh, I, I, w I would go beyond personally, uh, I think I got a lot bigger, put a lot more muscle on, look a lot better, look more like an 83 now. Um, my girlfriend pointed that out to me, uh, for our last meet. It's like, well, you actually look bigger now. Cause she said, uh, our first raw nationals, I look smaller than everyone else. I'm like, yeah, it's cause I am smaller than everyone else. But uh, now it's like you actually look uh, pretty big. I'm like, oh, thanks, cool. That's an ego boost and a sign of good progress as far as uh, the accessories and our scheme as how we're uh, programming the, the, the week. Yes. Yeah, yeah muscle's I, I important, guys. Muscle we're... is important. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't under – like I, I, I was talking with uh, this, you know, this, this kid that asked me a question on that. It's just like, when, when a lift stalls, it's like there's only so much you can do to manipulate training programs, right? There's only so much training volume that you can push on the competition lift or a post variation. There's just sometimes there's a point where you're just you're using of your muscle fibers. It's just, it's just like you just that's the only way you do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I uh, all in all, all in all, just to wrap the, the whole discussion up, I'm very excited for nationals. We have. We have the momentum in front of us right now that I think we can make this a fantastic prep, uh, and I'm I'm super excited to see what we can do. Um, the the what we're probably going to do as far as like the, the layout of this, we're going to do almost exactly what we did at least for this first um, segment. We're going to do almost exactly what we did in terms of like the layout number of weeks. And whereas you might taper uh, the week that you tapered this go around, we're just going to use that as a deload week, and then we'll bridge that we'll bridge the same way. All right. Yeah, I'm excited. To, I'm excited to get started. Uh, yeah, I, I do agree. Momentum has been built. Uh, confidence is actually higher than it's always been. Um, you know, meet to meet for me. Um, this 800 kilo was big. I joined the lead company, even though I think by nationals there's going to be legit seven guys who are going to total 800 keys, which is going to be like one amazing, but also two like hilarious at the same time because this was a sacred number, and I think right now with how the 83s are trending, there's going to be, there's going to be at least five, potentially eight, totaling 800 yeah. kilos. So that's, that's crazy. And that's, that's going to be awesome for 2022 Raw Nationals, when if you want to get prime time, the total you might have to hit is like 790. Yeah, which is crazy to think about. Uh, I just, I can't believe that. Um, <laughs> that's that's so crazy. I remember when Brett Gibbs did did 800 kilos for the first time at, at that like exhibition meet in Australia. Yeah. Um, like and, and that was like that was a huge deal. Like the the whole powerlifting world was just on fire at that time. They're like, holy shit, 800 kilos! And, and now it's just like there's there's like I, what is it six or seven of you guys that have done it in 83s across the world? Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think three current guy or, or three current in the USAPL. Considering Hack is now. Um, not in the USAPL. So three current guys, but then there's Delaney and Ed who have 790 in the USAPL. Uh, your, uh, our, our, our boy, Jimmy Villanueva, um, he, I think, is well on his way totaling 800. Jamar Royster, I think, definitely has 800 in him. I think, uh, I, I mean, John Gruden, that was another guy I just missed. He totaled 787 as his best. I, you'd be stupid to think he can't put 12 to 13 kilos onto his total before Raw Nationals. 
So, yeah, like the potential of how many. And then you, you talk about some of the dark horses. David Chan, David Sheldon um, all can get 800. I'm probably even missing a few, which is crazy, uh, the fact that I'm missing a few guys. But, and if you even look, I mean, even if you look at 2019, Raw Nationals, and what was top 10, like 740 probably got you into the top 10. Yeah, you're not wrong. 740? Now that's like, <laughs> not saying it's bad. I'm saying, it, but I am saying, like, if you're not totaling 1700 or like 775, you're you're not top ten right now. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a reason. There's a reason that uh, this is the the most competitive weight class. Man. Well, okay, that. Yeah, I mean, at the I would moment, say I, I no. At this point, sure. Yeah, yeah. I would say I would say one oh five is the most entertaining because you have three top guys battling for number one, and you have the strongest lifter in there as well. Seventy fours. 74s has dropped a bit because it looks like it's going to be it, it looks like it's going to be the Atwood Perk battle going forward. But then once you get towards like out of that top three, it kind of stagnates out. 83s is just a fight between eight people. Yeah, and yeah. moving and I mean, numbers it, that know. were impossible, like moving numbers that weren't uh, like thought about uh, even a year and a half or uh, two years ago. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, I definitely think this is like the closest that Sean's been to, to us. Um, you know, since I would say like uh, in in Spokane, I think was was probably the last time that they were that they were you know the closest. Um, I I think uh, you know I, I I fully expect Sean to be in, in top form. I think what he and Steve are doing is clearly working very well. I mean, and obviously you know Russ is Russ is number one for a reason. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, it, obviously you look beyond that and there's just, there's just so many people that are so close together that honestly, like if like, let's uh, again, we're, not that we would expect this, but you know, let's say, let's say Sean and, and Russ, like both for some reason have like the worst days possible, you know, like that, that anybody, if, if that would happen, that would mean that anybody could potentially take, you know, like, like just, you know, perfect storm of bad conditions, you know, maybe like one of them gets like really sick or something like that. And they just, yeah. they end up having to take token lifts and, and the other one, like just, you know, misses on a technicality or two. It, that the 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 fact that so many people that are in the field could can step up and yeah. and get to that point is, I, I think, a, a very good justification for saying it's it's the most competitive male weight class in, at nationals this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and it's uh it's an honor and a privilege to be a part of it. It's uh can be a very exciting experience for me. Uh, you know, getting to get, getting to finally compete against all of them at once. It's not prime time, but it's prime time. It, it might, it might as well be. It's prime um, time. I'm, I'm very, I'm very interested to to see how they divide up the flights too, because I don't know if you've noticed this, but our session is literally all raw men up to 83 kilos. Yeah, I don't. I we are going to find out what they're going to do at Raw Nationals because I have no goddamn clue what they're doing. Yeah, it's so a one of a kind type meets. That's that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. Um, I uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, that's gonna handling is gonna be fun. Just to just to say the least. I mean, it's it's gonna be fun. I, I mean that 100 percent seriously. But it's yeah. also gonna be like, oh, when I'm I'm gonna want to pull my head out or my hair out during that session. Yep. That's um, all good. It'll be fun. It'll be a good time. Um, I think that's it, man. Any anything else you, you feel like we should cover? Uh, no, man. I think we got everything down. Um. It's going to be a very exciting prep. Uh, again, 800 kilos was a big goal. was a big goal for ours. I think 20, 
21, I think that was definitely our first goal. Total 800 kilos. Uh, second goal, podium at Raw Nationals. Obviously, PR the total there. Um, I think included in that is pull the all-time deadlift world record uh, in the process, which I think we'll have to do in order to podium anyways. So that could be one and yeah. one in the same. And then uh, I think that that year-end goal in October, possibly a podium at Power Surge. That's gonna be that's gonna be a fun um, goal to wrap up. Like the ultimate goal uh, is try to podium at a high level, untested meet where guys are gonna be squatting uh, with wraps. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we get, I think that's that's we're the we're it's close be... right now with eight hundred. Yeah, we're I think it, that yeah. it puts me at a five five thirty seven dots, and I think Michael Cole Di Pietro was third last year with a five forty three dots. Gotcha. And that yeah, way, all I of mean, them are rap lifters, so that's going to be the handicap I'm given. But, you know, we got some variables to play with. We have the deadlift bar. We have a 24-hour weigh-in. Maybe if we want to actually test out a water cut, we can do it for that meet, like cut down to like 175 or something stupid and uh, and see if that could help my dot <laughs> score a little bit. Yeah, maybe. That's what maybe everyone does. I mean, if we want to be like, hey, we've never hit, hit an actual water cut before, let's just do this one for fun so we have 24 hours to rehydrate. Um, that's what people did last year was, uh, they were competing at 174, then they dieted down or they cut, they water cut to like 168 just to help their wills. I mean, Hey, that's, that's not a bad strategy. I mean, when, when fucking money's on the line, I don't see, yeah. I don't see why we wouldn't do that. Oh yeah. That it makes, was, it was, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting thing with, with that meat. So, but that's, uh, that's really far in the future right now. 100% focus on raw nationals. I don't even want to think of a squat bar and deadlift bar right now. I just want to think of the uh, 20 kilo Ohio power bar and all the other uh, fun natty stuff. Well, don't forget this is nationals, man. You're going to be using the Alico bar. Oh, yeah. Wait, did they use the Alico bar or raw nets? Uh, 2019? They did. Oh, I can't tell. Alico bars, I actually like those. I do, I do too. Yeah, I actually like the grip on them. I, 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 I think that it's I, admittedly like I, I think that one of the biggest advantages to the Alenco bar is the fact that the neural is, is just so because it's a bare steel bar and because the neural the neural pattern is aggressive I, I do think it's a little bit easier to grip compared to the Ohio power bar but that, that's just personal like from what I've seen experience wise I've seen and I mean there's a, a numerous amount of factors mm-hmm. that, that go into people missing on grip but I, I do think that seen just less people that are prone to missing on grip miss on uh miss on a like over an ohio power board. but again that's just full observation no like nothing to really back yeah absolutely all right well that's gonna do it for two white lights before i get off i do want to spend uh or send a shout out to uh colossal powerlifting uh gina hensley usapl michigan putting on an awesome meet it was awesome competing there and like i said earlier in the show it was fantastic competing at a local meet again and meeting all those great people, having a blast. Um, yeah, and uh, thank you for USAPL Michigan being so close to Illinois so I could compete and also running a great meet where, uh, you know, totaling 800 kilos was uh, not the most difficult thing in the world because at local meets you never know what you're going to get, but they killed it. I loved competing there. Um, and uh, if anyone's thinking about competing, in the Midwest area, especially in Illinois, I know I should be promoting Illinois USAPL powerlifting, but there's not a whole lot of meets over there, down here or um, down in Illinois. Uh, head out to Michigan uh, because Gina puts on one hell of a meet. Love it! Shout out Gina. 
All right. And looking forward to seeing her compete. She's going to be at Raw Nationals, too. Sweet. Yeah, yeah it's going it's to be a party, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited about it, for sure. Yeah, for sure. She, yeah, her herself is a fantastic lifter, so. All right. Nice. That's going to do it for Two White Lights. We will see you on Thursday where we have the next round of our March Madness Brackets. Things are going to get exciting. Things are going to get contentious. Me and Steve are going to argue a lot, not only on whether or not it's a Sweet 16 or Elite 8, but also the matchups themselves. So, peace.